0: Yes, Father, thank you that we can just come before you, Lord, and, you know, just acknowledge, Lord, that you are faithful, Lord, and that you are so good, Lord, and, you know, thank you that, that you are the one that's building your church, Father, and thank you that you are the reason why we are here, Lord. We want to see you, Lord, your name lifted up, Father, we we want to just exalt your name, Lord, above everything else, Lord, and, you know, just everything else, Father, the reasons that, that so many times, Lord, just come and obscures our vision of you, Father, we just want to come and lay that aside, Father, and I just come and pray, Lord, that Tonight, Lord, we may have ears that hear your voice, Lord, and eyes that see you, Father, and hearts that just surrender to you, Lord, and, and just give everything in the name of Jesus. Amen. Cool, guys. So tonight's sermon, we're going to speak a bit about seeking first the kingdom. And, and just, just to start this off, you know, we, we know that from Scripture and from what the Bible says, you know, we are people that supposed to seek first the kingdom, you know, and especially in, in a... A culture and in a society that that demands so much of us, you know, and that wants us to chase a lot of other things, Jesus says, you know, do not be anxious about those things, but seek first the kingdom. But just to ask ourselves a question, you know, who who woke up this morning and it's like, yes, I'm gonna seek the kingdom today. You know, maybe through the week, waking up and and you, and you thought to yourself, I'm gonna I'm gonna seek the kingdom today. I'm gonna seek the king and his righteousness. Maybe even in the last month or year, you know, it's not something that we that we find ourselves constantly thinking about, you know, seeking the king and his kingdom, because we have other stuff going on. And then many times we think about, okay, when we go on mission, surely now we're seeking the king and his kingdom. And then some And then they also went on, on a mission to uh, the village, I think, in, in Johannesburg, with the Johannesburg team to Durban for a weekend. And we went to Zimbabwe for a week, and I know in 2016, we went to Malawi for two weeks, and Many times we think, OK, for this weekend or, or for this week or these two weeks, we're going to seek the kingdom of God. We, we, we're going to seek him. You know, and we, we're laying everything aside to see God. But when we come back and we find ourselves back in reality, it's difficult to have that same mentality, that same mindset. You know, for me now, it's quite easy because I work for the church. You know, and to, to seek first the kingdom of God when I wake up, that's, that's something that I do. And it's something that comes naturally because, you know, our meeting starts with prayer. And it's easy to see God, and it's easy to see God. But when I was still working at Digimac as a sales rep, you know, it wasn't that easy. And for some of us, you know, working at Sussel, in the mines, in the schools, or wherever you're working, many times, you know, the enemy wants to come and bring this lie of the great divide. We have a divide in our lives between the secular and the holy, there's certain things that we do that we are seeking God, and we are seeking the kingdom, but then there's times that you know we just go on with normal life. You know, things that, that we should do. But it's not what we do that determine whether something is secular or holy, but it's unto who we do it. You know, and, and even in our works, you know, as we go through this, this sermon tonight, and we go through this passage, you know, speaking about you know, serving either God or money, you know, laying up for yourself treasures on heaven and on earth, Just from the get-go, I just want to make a statement. I'm not saying that all of us should go and sell all that we have and give it to the church and start working full-time for the church. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying the mentality that we have around these things should many times change because in my own life, when I was still at Digimag, I could still pray before a meeting. I could still trust God to, to give me opportunity to share the word with certain people or to love the people around me or to serve the people around me. You know, when you go to work, pray for the people that is at work. And again, not saying that you should all of a sudden just preach the gospel the whole time because then some of us are going to get no work done. You know, there's, there's work that you need to do for myself. I needed to sell things, you know, advertisement, some stickers that you put on your car, all of that. And uh, yes, in, in, in that and in the way that you interact with people, you know, live out the gospel. And when God gives you the opportunity to share the gospel, then yes, to share it. But not to just speak about the gospel all the time. I know when we were having a a sermon about prayer, you know, positioning yourself for prayer, I also made this joke. When the scripture says, never cease to pray, it doesn't mean you should speak in a way that sounds like praying. And then when your boss asks you to do something, you say, yes, I will do it in the name of Jesus. Amen. (laughs) You know, you don't have to do it like that, but just have a constant awareness of what God is doing and where he's leading you. And to like young Lowe, you know, say that, When God speaks, then we do it. And I remember Hendrik Retief. he was one of the engineers that we had here, and we were busy with a corporate three-day fast, the whole of Shofar, and we were fasting, and one of the plants at Sassel, was also shut down time, and the plant just didn't want to start up. And then in the end of the three-day fast, the plant starts up, and Hendrik says, you know, he told the people that, you know, certain demons don't get driven out by prayer and fasting, and also some plants only get started up by fasting and prayer. (laughs) And then just to find a way, you know, to share the gospel or to testify to the people that we're working with and for about the goodness of God in our lives. And then just to link it to to very sermon last week, um, speaking on um, Hebrews 12. And then verse 1 to 3 says, you know, therefore, because of the signs that went before us, because of the great people of faith of old, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin that so easily enslares us and let us run the race with perseverance, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And many times the things in our lives, it, it wants to come and take our focus off of Jesus. Because if the scripture says we should lay aside every weight, we should lay aside every sin and then look to Jesus, then inevitably those things are keeping our attention off of Jesus. You know, it wants to shift our focus and it wants to come and shift our minds. And one other thing that temptation also does, you know, the things that, that tempt us in life, the weights in our lives, the sins in our lives, it also reveals our heart. You know, the condition of our heart, the desires of our heart. And just to illustrate this, you know, all of us sitting here, we get tempted with different things. And that is because our heart's desires are after other things. There's certain things in life that we value, and there's other things that we don't value. And therefore, certain people always get tempted with different things. you know many some of us also get tempted with, with the same things. A lot of men get tempted with the same things. A lot of women get tempted with the same things. I you know, mean we don't easily fall for for the temptation of the sale as women do. But we fall for other things. You now, like Vary says, he calls it the double cap syndrome. You need the double cap bucky. You know, and until the new one comes out, then you need the new double cap Bucky. But it's something that goes on and on and on, and, and we constantly need stuff in our lives. And today I want to address one of the things that I feel is one of the biggest temptations in our, in our generation, in our culture that we're living in, you know, the Western world, and that is to lay up for ourselves treasures on earth. You know, whatever that treasure might be, whether it's a, a, a lot of shoes or the double cap bucky, whatever it might be, one thing that we know about these treasures on earth, mostly money will help with that treasure. If if we if we have money, we can get the treasure. You know, even if we value relationships and other things, some people even think money can help with that. And it's a very superficial relationship then, but money helps nonetheless. So we constantly, you know, with advertisement and all of the things around us being bombarded, to not seek first the kingdom of God, not to love treasures in heaven, but to allow for ourselves treasures on earth. And to seek the things that's living here with earth. You know, I want to live here and I want to have as much stuff as possible now. And that will give me fulfillment. That's what the media says. And tonight I hope I can give us three points or rather three statements. And we all know the statements and we all have read it in the Bible. But I really hope that as we are faced with these statements tonight and as we see them that we can make a choice. You know, to lay up treasures in heaven. To serve God instead of money and to seek first the kingdom. Um, and that is going to be the three points as well, if you want to write them down already. But if we can, read on the screens. Matthew 16, verse 19 to 34. And it says, Do not love for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But love for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also the eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness! No one can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day. It's your own trouble. And I know it's quite a big passage of scripture, but we'll break it into little pieces and then go through it. But just to pause there for a moment, you know, Matthew 6, verse 34. It's it's a great place for this passage to end for me. You know, it says there, Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. And the great thing about tomorrow is that tomorrow will never come. It will always be tomorrow. Tomorrow will always be tomorrow. Especially in fitness worlds. Who has ever heard the term, now tomorrow I'll start practicing? Yeah, maybe tomorrow and Monday, those are synonymous. Tomorrow or Monday, that's when we'll start practicing. But luckily for most of us, tomorrow will never come. Your fitness, that's, that's bad. But luckily for anxiety, that's good. Tomorrow will always be tomorrow. Insufficient for the day is its own trouble. Do not worry about the future, God says. For those things will worry about itself. But if we can go to the next slide. Matthew 6 verse 19. Do not allow for yourself treasures on earth... We moth and rust destroy and we thieves break in and steal. But love for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And Just a bit of a Bible study tip before we move on. <coughs> Whenever you see a but in Scripture a but in scripture, but whenever you see but in scripture, it's contrasting two statements with one another. So whenever the Bible is trying to explain something and then you all of a sudden see but, it says whatever is going to follow is in contrast to what I've just said. And whenever you see for, it gives the reason for what proceeds. So when the Bible is saying here, you know, do not love for yourself treasures in heaven, but love for yourself treasures on earth, Ach, do not love for yourself treasures on earth, but love for yourself treasures in heaven. It's contrasting these two statements with one another. You know, it's not an and, it's a but. You cannot have both. And many times, you know, with the secular and holy divide that we many times have in our thought patterns, we think we can have both. We think that there's, there's certain times when we can look to God and we can work for God and we can store up treasures in heaven. And then there's certain times when we actually, we actually feel many times that we need to store up treasures on earth. There's things that we, we need here. I'm not saying to be unwise, you know, a savings for when your child goes to university, that's not a treasure on earth, that's just university funds for your child, Yeah, you know, that's that's not a treasure, that's not something that you cling to or, or something that you need. Okay, many times you also use some of those things as excuses, but, but I'm also just saying, you know, be wise, you know, the cars and the houses that we have, it's not treasures. Okay, for some people, yes, it, it's treasures, but for other people, it's just a way to get by in a place where we live. You know, the scripture is not saying you have no, have nothing on earth and only have things in heaven. You know, when we go out, we sell all that we have and we just meet in the field and there we sit all day. And that is not faith. That is just stupidity. Vali says he's not going to use the S word, but I accidentally let it slip out. Um, and the reason, you know, the scripture says there, for this reason, because there your heart will be also. And one fundamental thing that... It, All of us know is that the human being has one heart we don't have two hearts you know and what what Jesus is busy saying to the people is you know the more things that you cling to on earth your heart will be there you won't look to heaven you won't seek the kingdom the more the more stuff we try to gather for ourselves on earth the difficult the more difficult it becomes to look to heaven and to look to the king and his kingdom and his purposes for our lives you know and and that is why and we have to be vigilant, you know, like when we came from the mission again, it was just so, you know, so interesting for me when when we are there, the people bind the spirit and they bind that spirit and they say, Satan will have no place here and we're going to worship God. And when we come here, we're very, you know, relaxed in that matter. We do, not, we do not, you know, we say we don't want religion, we want a relationship with God, but there they bind the spirit of religion because we want a relationship with God. They have an awareness of the things that are happening around us is not battle against flesh and blood, but it's against spiritual principalities as, as the Bible speaks about. You know, and many times we think, okay, maybe this is the coming apostasy. This is where people get lazy and they don't do a lot of things, but then Zimbabwe, that's a war against the devil. And then we must be vigilant and realize that these things coming through the media and trying to get our attention off of Jesus. Not just the people around us, but that is the enemy. I'm not saying seek the devil in everything. I'm just saying be aware. Because if he can get you to stop treasures on earth, then inevitably your heart won't be in heaven. Your focus won't be on heaven. But your focus will be here. And you will live for the here and now. It will just get more distracted. The more the stuff around you becomes, the more grounded your heart becomes on earth. And the more difficult it is to place it in heaven. And I'm just to, to ask ourselves the question... What is your biggest treasure? What is the thing that's most beautiful in your life? And not to be deceived, but look where your heart's at, because that will give you an indication. Where do you spend your time, your finances, your relationships, your possessions? What is it resolved resolve around? Because that will give you an indication of where your heart is. Because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And for the Christian, it should just be a resounding Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And not a second thing that comes close, you know, not even our our families, our wives, our husbands, our kids. You know, Jesus made this statement and he says, Whoever loves mother and father, my wife, husband, kids, more than me is not worthy of me. You see, Jesus stands in no cue. He's second to none. He's either our first love or he's not our love at all. It, It doesn't say again, you know, not to. Not to take care of those things. Not to love those things. Not to love our wives. Obviously we should love our wives. Jesus says that. But we should love him more. He should be the greatest treasure. And when even the world asks us, what's your treasure? What's your hope? What do you long for? What do you cling to? All of those answers should just have a resounding Jesus. My hope is in Jesus. I treasure Jesus. And I can't wait to be with Jesus one day. You know, we we shared it last time as well. You know, anything that we have—if if if, you, if I were to say to you right now, we're going to walk out the door, and you're going to be in heaven with Jesus, and whatever you have that comes before that, you know—but but wait, I first want to. Those things are idols in our lives. Not that these necessarily bad things, but it's just things that the priority is wrong. Jesus needs to be first, and we need to give ourselves. Firstly to Jesus, and maybe you're sitting here tonight and you, you realized, okay, I have a bit of a problem, I, I've discovered that my heart's on earth, because my treasure is on earth. How do I move this to heaven? Where's the posting company? Where's the shippers that take the stuff to heaven? The bus company. I have a number for you, and I'm just kidding. Um, so how then, how do we move the things to heaven Yeah, How do we move our treasures to heaven and how do we get our hearts there? If we can look at the next slide. It's the same passage of scripture, Jesus speaking in Luke, but it says there, Luke 12 verse 33, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old, with treasures in heaven that does not fail. And you know, so Jesus is saying, you know, if, if we look beyond ourselves and we start to care for those around us that are in need, Then we are storing up treasures in heaven. And it's a very radical statement here because realize it doesn't say as you walk down the street and you see someone in need and you have a 20 in your pocket, give it to him. It says go sell your possessions. Those things that you cling to, those treasures in your life that you don't actually need, that you have enough of, that you have too much of in fact, that you don't really need. That's not really life. That's not really necessities in our life. Go and sell those things and give to the poor. And again, I'm not saying, you know, just give everything away. And we're going to see now at the end as well, you know, Jesus is firstly speaking about believers because if we had to sell our stuff until everybody was not poor anymore, then we would sell all our stuff and then we would be poor and just be a reverse effect. You know, I sold my house, I gave it to you. Now you sell it and give it back to me. You know, it it can't work like that. There needs to be wisdom in these things. But sell your stuff and give to the needy. Give to those around you. Look beyond yourself and stop just trying to cling to as much as possible as you can. But give to the people around you that is actually in need and in want. Um, And, you know, in Luke 18 verse 22, Jesus speaking to the rich young man. (coughs) And he comes to Jesus and he asks, Good teacher, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus responds, obey the commands and he says which one and jesus names a few and he says to jesus you know but all these things i've kept from my youth i've always done these things and then jesus replies and he says when jesus heard this he said to him one thing you still lack sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have a treasure in heaven and come and follow me and then many times we are like the rich young man in today's life we come to church we serve god we say we love him we read our bibles we pray we even go on mission sometimes but there's this one thing we still lack. We are clinging to our earthly possessions. And therefore our hearts are in heaven. Okay, and heaven. Literally this guy. I'm, I'm, I'm glad my name is Vian and not the rich young man. Because he literally had to go and sell everything. You know when you can look up in the Greek. Those words for sell all that you have mean sell all that you have. So he needed to go and sell everything you know, and give it to the poor. But. You know, what Jesus is trying to illustrate in this fact is, you know, many times in our days, some of us, you know, we feel comfortable with giving 10% to the church. And we feel, you know, that that is what we give to God. We have 10% that we give to God, and then the 90% is mine. You know, God can't come near that, or, or some other people, know, the, the, the 90 is mine. I mean, what Jesus is busy saying is, he's saying, give all that you have, not necessarily away, but just put it into the hands of God. So that he can use it for whatever he wants, for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. I'm so glad, you know, young Lo, as he prayed in the session. The only reason we can give is because God gave. Everything we have is inevitably His in any way. Now they, when they speak about Abraham in theologians, you know, they say the man who had everything but possessed nothing, because he knew it was God's things. It was not his own. And again, it doesn't say, "Don't give it away." We're going to see at the end of of the sermon, you're going to get to a scripture in Acts 4, and it's just beautiful, you know, how they say that the things that they had, they did not consider to be their own. But they had all things in common. They shared all that they had. It didn't mean everybody went and sold all, of, all that they have. No, but it was just, it was God's things, and He could use it in whichever way He wanted to. So we store up treasures in heaven by using earthly possessions for a heavenly purpose. That is how we move our treasures. That is how we give it to God. And whatever it might be, it can even be your bicycle. You know, not necessarily that you need to give away, but just if you lend it to someone, storing up treasures in heaven. You know, like the people who give their cars for mission. Where's Marius? That's your treasure in heaven. Maybe I said it to the people now and you yes, lose your reward, but sorry for that. No, I'm just kidding. Because he didn't tell the people, hey, look how great I am. I gave my car to missions. No, but he's using his earthly possessions that God gave him for whatever God wants you to you know, Charles went to Marius and said, you know, we need your car for missions. And Marius said, okay, cool. Here's the keys. And he actually said thanks that we gave him a car back for him to drive with this week. Huh? Isn't that just the heart of gold, the heart of the God? You know, I'm going to give you my car and I don't even expect you to give me a car back to drive around with this week. And I'll figure out a lift or something. You know, and he said that it's, it's such a good testimony because now he gets to work in, in a different car and the people's like, yeah, hey, Marius, where's your car? It says, now I gave it to the museum team to go to Zimbabwe. They're like, Whew. are you crazy? To Zimbabwe. What if a wheel bursts? What if it gets scratched? And we did burst the wheel. And Marius knew because he has been to Zimbabwe, it will get scratched. It will get scratched. Come back to Marius, we're going to polish your coffee. No, man, it's not a problem. I know it happens. We polished it for him, but. He doesn't expect that back because he gives it to God because he knows where his treasure is at, where he's storing up for. We're not living for this world. It's okay if I drive an hour with a fortune that has some scratches on because one day I'm going to stand face to face with Jesus. And the scratches on the land rover is really not going to matter at all. It's not going to matter at all. You know, some of the things that we maybe cling to on earth that we think, you know, it's going to matter, it won't. Oh, when we see Jesus, what Land Rover? We just forget about those things because it doesn't make sense. And I to ask ourselves the question tonight, who is in possession of the things in your life? Who's the owner? Is it you or is it God? All of the things. Now, Maybe you're thinking now that one thing. Okay, I'll, I'll give that, I'll, I'll borrow that, but sure, this thing, uh-uh. That's mine. And we need to let those things go tonight that takes us to point number one. We cannot lay up treasures in two places because our heart will only be in one place. It will either be with Jesus in heaven and therefore we will store up treasures in heaven as much as we can or it will be ourself, greatest treasure. The me, myself and I and the treasures that I try to to gain and to gather will be on earth with myself to feed the needs of the self. And yeah, because it's always for self, I don't buy a nice car not for the self to drive in, or a nice house not for the self to live in, it's, it's, it's for the self. And again, I'm not saying a, a nice car and a bad house is, is evil, it's just saying that we should store up treasures in heaven by those things, we should be used by God. And then Jesus will always remain the greatest treasure, whether we see it or not, whether we believe it or not. That is the truth. There's none more beautiful, none more precious, none more holy, none more worthy than Jesus. And Molly prayed at that intercession, I was so blessed by that. There's no greater treasure than Jesus. There's none more worthy. And she actually prayed the words, you know, if we have Jesus and we have nothing else, we have all we need. And isn't that true? He is all we need. He's the greatest treasure. He fulfills, he sustains. No matter what the media says, you know, the things that you need. Hey, buy this and you will be fulfilled until you need something else. And something else will come tomorrow and more of that the next day and the next day. There will always be something that we need, according to the media. But if we have Jesus, then we have fulfillment in our lives. We need Jesus in our lives. And the thing is, guys, we cannot seek both. Like we said, it's either laying up treasures in heaven or laying up treasures in earth. And that takes us to the next scripture. Matthew 6 verse 22 It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other, will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon and money. The first time I read the scripture, I actually thought that they lost you know this verse that says you cannot serve to masters and they just decided to put it in there because i had no idea what it has to do with your eye that is a lamp of the body but just to explain that to us you know in jewish literature the eye is very similar to to the heart and you know, the king james version actually translates this very well it says if your eye is singular meaning a healthy eye has a single focus a single vision a single devotion and that devotion is towards god it only looks to god it's a heart that is yielded and set on God and God's kingdom and God's purpose. That is a healthy eye. And then if your heart is set on God and only the things of God, then inevitably the rest of your body, the rest of your life will be full of light because you are looking to the light of the world. But if your eye is bad, meaning that you have impaired vision or double vision, you are looking to God and to money. Inevitably, you're not looking to, to one of those. you know, you're just between the two. We, we cannot look at both things. It's either or the one. It says, if you have a bad eye, a corrupt eye, looking to the things of this world, and not only to God, then you have a heart that is not set on God alone. And inevitably, the rest of your life will be full of darkness. There won't be a lot of good things through your life. And many times we think about bad things in our life, or if we read, you know, your whole body will be full of darkness, we think about people totally lost in sin. But if it's not set upon God and the things of God, then that is sin. It's missing the mark. You know, the original meaning of sin is to miss, to miss the mark. And not to look at God alone. It's missing the mark. It's missing the purpose. You know, we should have our eyes fully set on God every time, every day, every minute. And we will fail in this, but luckily that's why there's grace. Amazing grace, how so sweet the sound. Because we will fail. We will get distracted. We will every now and again, again, read through Hebrews 12 and realize, Shucks, I've again let some certain weights and sin ensnare me. There's certain things holding me back and then we just lay down and look to Jesus again because that's where grace comes in and again there the but it's either or we cannot have both we cannot look to God and the things of this world we cannot serve God and money and why is that you know because with the great divide of secular and holy we think that sometimes we are living to God sometimes we're serving God And sometimes we are serving the things of this world. And inevitably it cannot be so. And for many of us, you know, maybe we have been at that place in our lives. Maybe you know someone that's in that place in their lives. Maybe you yourselves in that place. Because here's what will happen. If you serve money, you will view God as a servant. Because if I try to gather money, try to gather earthly possessions, I will use God to get that things for me. And in the moment when stuff gets shaky in my life, you know, and I lose my earthly treasure... Then I run to God. Lord, help, I, st- I need these things again. My life is falling apart. And the moment God restores those things in our lives, God goes out the door again. Because I have my treasure back. It was never God, it was the things of this world. And we see that around us many times. That will inevitably be the case. If we serve money, we will use God. But if we serve God, we will use money and our possessions for His kingdom. To see his will be done. To see his kingdom come. You know, Anu shared this at at a biblical um, stewardship at Bible School 1. It says, money is a good servant, but a bad boss. It's not a very great boss. It will ruin your life. And we need to have our eyes fixed upon Jesus. If we can go to the next slide. This point illustrates it for me so beautifully. Matthew 13 verse 44 The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And again, sells all that he has. It doesn't literally mean that we should go and sell all that we have, but it means that every single part of our being, all of our time, all of our possessions, all of our finances, all of our our relationships, we are investing into this field. What is the field? It's the kingdom of heaven. Because we saw the treasure in that field. What is the treasure? It's Jesus. Because we saw Jesus in our great joy, we want to invest all that we have to make sure that one day I stand face to face with the King. And all else can fade away because I desire Jesus. That's what it's about. It's about nothing else. You know, and again, not to just sell everything we have, but to say, God, everything in my life you can use to see your kingdom come and your will be done. In any which way that you want. You can use my stuff. You know, and many times, you know, if we come to think about it and we think through those processes, we don't hear God speaking to us a lot about, you know, our possessions and our finances. And that's because we've built a wall. It's of reach. It's non-debatable. We don't want to speak about that. It's like as if we're deaf to that. You know, and God is a gentleman. He knows the conditions of our hearts. He knows what we cling to. And if he knows you cling to those things, he's not going to come knock down the door and ask for, for the things in your life. No, he wants you to, re- to, to surrender that freely. He wants you to see the treasure. He wants you to gaze upon Jesus and then freely just let go. You know, like Sias says, he explains the story about this little girl having his glasses and he sees that she's just busy bending it and she's going to break it at any moment. And then he goes and fetches a fizzer. He waves it to the girl and says, look what daddy has. And when she sees what her dad has for her, she lets go of the glasses. And that is the same thing that God does. You know, when we see what God has for us, we let go of these things. He doesn't want to come and take it from us. You know, we have a free will. We must choose. We must decide. Even if it literally means selling everything. Um, and for some of us, maybe that will be the call one day. But that takes us to point number two. We cannot serve two masters. <clears throat> and C.A. Spurgeon, he has a, a wonderful quote. He says, to have many aims is much the same than to have no aim at all. You know, maybe if you go, who you guys go to the gun range, likes to shoot? Is there any people like that? Again, you will know that there are a couple of targets on the gun range. Because you have a couple of bullets. We only have one life. We only have one heart. And we can only aim that at one thing. And if we shoot and we miss, or when we hit the wrong target, there's no reset button, like on the PlayStation, on the Xbox. There's no three lives, you know, you get three chances. There's one, and we need to aim the one life that we have. That is a way like that; it's gone in a moment. And we must make sure that we are aiming at the right target because when we hit, we only have one life. We only have one bullet to aim at one target, and to make sure we hit that one target. And again, this can, this can it doesn't mean you know just sell all that you have and work at the church because we can do this with, with heavenly things or church things as well. You know, it uses the example about fasting. If if you are fasting, then you can either fast in a way for people. You know, Jesus says, when you fast, do not, you know, look like you're fasting in front of people. Because then you've received your reward from people. If you pray, do not go stand on the street corners, because if people see you, you've already received your reward. But do it in secret as unto God. And from your heavenly Father who sees in secret, you will receive your reward. And the same thing with our works, with our jobs. For who are you doing it? Are you doing it to look good for the people that you work with? Are you doing it for that promotion? It's not bad to work for a promotion, but promotion comes from God. But when people ask you, why are you working so hard? Why are you so diligent? It's because, because this is worship unto God. So they so say, what do you mean? Don't we have the same boss? And you're like, no, we don't. My boss, my boss is great. I'm working as unto Jesus and everything in my life is worship unto God. Every single thing that I do, I must do with a mentality as unto God. Working heartily as unto the Lord, not from men. And from your heavenly Father, he will receive your reward. Amen. You know, and, and some of us, we, we need to see the treasure. We haven't seen the treasure and that is why it's difficult to give everything. And for some of us, we need to put out our faith because we have a lack of faith. And just to quickly finish off with the last point, if we can go to the next scripture, yeah, Jesus addresses the problem. And he says, Why are you anxious? It says in verse 30, Oh, you of little faith. You see, the biggest obstacle of giving everything is a lack of faith. It's unbelief. It's doubt. We doubt that God will provide for us. And the reason why we don't care for the people around us, you know, when God says, you know, those people are in want, please give them something. Fix their car, give them food, and then we're like, No, I'm I'm not sure if I can because what if I need that in a week or two? But what you're actually saying is, I don't want to give because I'm uncertain if God will provide my need when it comes to that point. And the scripture says we have an heavenly father and we do not need to be anxious because he knows that we need these things. He knows that we need them. And it's actually so beautiful, this passage of scripture, because it's saying, Do not cling to money. Because otherwise, you have a great need to be anxious because it will fail you. But if we let go of those things and fix eyes upon Jesus, we have no need to be anxious. Isn't that beautiful? Because He will care for us each and every single time. He's faithful. That is the God we serve. And if we can quickly go to the next slide, it says there But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That is what we should seek. Like we saw in the previous slides, the Gentiles seek after these things and inevitably the Christian and the world cannot look to the same thing. We cannot seek the same thing, we cannot rely on the same thing. You now, that is a materialistic worldview. There's a view of creation called materialism and that is the atheist's view of creation. It says that only things material exists. There's no God, no angels, no demons, no heaven and no hell. We only live for the things here and inevitably then we only try to gather the things here as much as possible. And then Wayne Grudem asked the question to Christians, he says, If God did not exist, would your lives be any different? Because if we say God exists, we inevitably are inevitably going to live for the treasure in heaven. We're not going to stop here as much as possible. But if our treasure is on earth and we're living for the things material and God did not exist, our lives wouldn't change. That is a bit of a problem. I know Greg Ruschalli calls it the Christian atheist, saying that God exists, but living like he doesn't. I'm saying that there's a God in heaven who I can't wait to be with one day, but I'm not going to you know, spend my time investing on that day. I'm rather going to live for the here and now, and it's contradictory towards one another. It doesn't make sense. You see, the world lives for the here and now, but we live for the there and then. We've got to have our eyes fixed on Jesus. And when it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, literally seven verses later, It says, those who seek will find. Oh, we will find it. And then when Jesus illustrates, you can know, but what is this again supposed to look like? In Matthew 25, speaking about the final judgment, it says, when the king comes back, he will divide the people into two groups, like sheep and goats being separated. And then the king will look to those on his right and says, come inherit the kingdom that has been prepared for you from the foundations of the world because I was hungry and you gave me food. I was naked and you clothed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was sick and in prison and you visited me. And then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we do these things to you? And the king will say, if you did it to any one of these, you did it unto me. And then to those on his left, sorry, but you cannot enter because you didn't feed me. You didn't give me food. I was a stranger and you didn't welcome me. You see, many times we... We think to ourselves, you know, a pastor in, in, in Somerset West, Anton Mayberg, he wants to ri- write a book, The Great Surprise, about Christians that claim to know God coming into heaven and say, yes, Lord, we're here. Can we please come in? And he's just going to be like, sorry, but I, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Because I don't care what you proclaim, or what you say you did, or what you wanted to do, your good intentions. I'm looking at what did you do. No, not a works-based salvation, but if we see the treasure, we go and sell all that we have with a great joy to buy that field because we've seen Jesus and we know that he's all that we need. We know that because we've seen. And that is what it's about. It's about seeing Jesus. And John Pipe, also has this good quote. He says, God prospers us not to raise our standard of living but to raise our standard of giving. God does not give you more so that you can have more. He gives you more for the people around you that is in lack and in want. And sometimes we have the most ridiculous excuses. You know, no, like, sorry, precious, you know, the people that are working in our houses, many times they are Christians, they are believers. You know, their children go to sleep hungry sometimes. They don't have school clothes, they don't have food. But I want to give them minimum wage because I want to go on holiday at the end of the year. That's a ridiculous excuse. And God is not pleased with that. Or, well, I want to buy a new house, or I want to travel, or I want to be, buy a new, a new house or car or travel. You know, that is, is bad excuses. I'm, again, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that a new house is bad, or a new car is bad, or going on holiday is bad. But if the people around me are suffering, that I come into contact with, and I don't want to help that need because I want to go on holiday, then that's a bad excuse. And God is not pleased with that, you know, and we need to come to that place where, where we share with those around us. If we can go to the next scripture, just to, or the third point. It says, they seek first the kingdom of God. And when I want to ask us tonight, you know, what is holding you back? What's that thing in your life that, that you need to surrender, those treasures that you cling to, that you need to lay down at the feet of Jesus? Because we need to let it go. Because we're not living for this world. We're living for the kingdom that is to come. Yeah, and some of us, we need to pray tonight, Lord, help my unbelief. You know, like the centurion when it comes to his son. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Because we see that in the scripture, it wasn't an absence of faith. It was just a lack of faith. We need more. And we need to come to God with our masks off because he knows there's no pretending. He knows what the things are that we cling to. He knows what the real desires of our hearts are. And We need to come to God tonight with an honesty and say, Lord, these are the things that I struggle with. These are the things that I cling to. These are the desires of my heart. Now just come and lay it down at your feet. Because we need to see the people around us prosper as well. We need to see justice bring forth. Now and if we can go to the next slide. Acts 4 verse 32. This is, this is supposed to be the end result. Now the full number of those who believe were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And then verse 34, there was not a needy person among them. And then this goes twofold. Some of us that, that have an abundance, we should learn to let go. But those of us who are in need, need to speak up. Because it says there, you know, they distributed to each one as each one had need. They spoke, they said, listen here, I'm, I'm in need of these things. I'm suffering. And some of us, you know, we need to swallow our pride. We need to humble ourselves and say, guys... I'm in need of help. I'm struggling. I have debt in my life. I'm really struggling, guys. Please, please help. And then it's fine because nobody said that anything that belonged to him was his own. But we have all things in common. And to come to that place where it's one kingdom, one bride, one family, and it's like a brother or sister helping and someone asking, you know, their brother or their sister for help. It's supposed to be the same way. And and, you know, circles of priority. First, we look to our own, that's in our same congregations, but our brothers and sisters down the road, that is in Craig, Lighthouse, the Engekark, all of those people, those believers. And it's not okay for us to see them in need and not do anything about that. You know, James addresses the same problem. He says, if you see your brother in need, lack of food or clothing, and you say to them, go well, be fed, but you don't do anything for them, That's no good. It's no help at all. That faith cannot save us. And we need to come to a place where we say, Lord, anything in our lives, everything, use it to see your kingdom come and it will be done.